Hey folks and uh, welcome to episode 3 at Down Under Meets Deutschland and today we're talking with Andrea and we've got a very special story. No, this is not uh, something from Hollywood or um, out of space but it is something very close in between. Uh, Andrea works for the space agency uh, here in Germany and uh, yeah she's a um, engineer and she's going to uh, tell us a little bit more about her job her field her passion and a little bit about where she's living and what she does um, and of course um, where she's from and uh, how she got there and yeah what she's thinking about for the future let's enjoy episode three down under meets Deutschland <laughs> about engineering tonight and um so the passion and work in in the field has brought you here to germany was this the ultimate dream for you the job was definitely the ultimate dream um i have to say uh in australia i didn't really i didn't know you know which country i would be able to work in um the space field and uh doing what i do because you know you grow up and you only really hear about nasa and i'm like well i don't think i can work there because i'm not american um and i just was i was oblivious to that you know uh, there were other space agencies and places, and I had no idea that the, the coolest one was in Germany. Okay. So it's not your ordinary nine to five sort of job, or is it? Uh, definitely not. We work um, on shifts to support the International Space Station in mission control. So you can do um, morning shifts, evening shifts, occasionally nights or weekends or holidays or whatever. Um, you know, operations don't stop just because of uh, timings on Earth. Um, and yeah and also i mean if you're supporting like a rocket launch or something then you know you'll be doing who knows what hours in the desert in kazakhstan or uh things like that so definitely not a nine to five job wow it must be one of the most exciting projects on earth do you actually sometimes have to pinch yourself yeah i do i mean i know i'm definitely um in awe of my colleagues and the awesome jobs that they do and being able to work in the field that i dreamt about is really quite phenomenal that it um, is actually able to be a career. Were you the nerdy kid at school or just passionate about learning? And... I Yeah, I was. I feel like, I mean, it's, in Australia, it's definitely not like, you know, all the tropes in American movies. You don't really have the specific, you know, groups of kids. Um, so I was the sporty kid and the nerdy kid and the music kid. So I was sort of a bit of everything. But definitely, you know, I really liked physics and maths and did all the maths and science competitions. Um, so I liked learning and, um, yeah, really liked, uh, I guess the more, um, advanced maths and, and physics topics, especially towards the end. So yeah, proudly nerdy. I read your article that you posted that, uh, you first learned, uh, the word engineer from Star Trek Voyager series. Was this yeah. also your first <laughs> delve into space technology? Yeah. I mean, it was fictional and it was on TV, but it was the first time I ever saw, space things you know visualized i guess um because we rotated with my parents doing rural health we rotated a lot around country south australia to various towns uh, in the far north and the peninsulas and like the the views of the night sky in country south australia is just ridiculously good in yeah 10, they... i read also you first met an astronaut did that experience so that experience did really shape your future from then on yeah yeah, I think so, because um, so I I was able to go to when I was much younger, um, there was the Double Helix Kids Club that CSIRO ran. 
uh, in a few different cities around Australia. So I was able to go to different activities through them. And I also heard about uh, the South Australian Space Camp uh, and I applied to go to that during the school holidays. And so there were real life, you know, uh, scientists and engineers and teachers um, and astronomers that I met for the first time who were the teachers of the, the space school. So had you ever dreamed when you were younger that you would end up living overseas or in, in Germany? So living overseas, definitely. Um, I actually did an exchange student year when I was in year 10 and 11 um, to Italy, though, because my family background is uh, half Italian. And I couldn't understand what my grandparents were saying on Sunday lunch when we went to the nonni's house. Uh, so, you know, my mum spoke it, but then just because, you know, back in the day, it wasn't considered great to be a wog in Australia. And so she was a bit discouraged that she did speak Italian and didn't want us to have issues. So she didn't really speak it to us and we only spoke English and then I didn't understand my family. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I want to you know, study Italian at some point. And ironically, my school only offered German as a second language. So I studied German for one semester in like year eight. And then I was like, oh, I don't need this. I want Italian. And I I um, was able to move um, to get special permission to study Italian four lessons a week at a school um, just down the road from my school. Um, so they had a special arrangement. I could join their Italian class and skip German. Uh, which my I went to a small school and I'm still friends with my old German teacher and she thinks it's hilarious that yeah I, I ended up living in Germany full-time. So you're living in Cologne or just outside as you said near the airport um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, Cologne itself and um, some of the features for our listeners? I like Cologne a lot it's a very um, it's a very uh, German, it's a very German, but also very open-minded city, I think. Um, so at the beginning with my job, I was bouncing between, so I was based in Cologne, but I would have to go sort of one week per month to Bavaria. And the contrast between Bavaria and Nordrhein-Westfalen is, is very, uh, very vast. Um, and I, I think Cologne being so close to the borders of, you know, Belgium, the Netherlands and Luxembourg, and even France isn't that far, to be honest, uh, like, it's, it's much more open-minded and open to internationalness um, compared to, for example, Bavaria, uh, at least from my uh, experiences living there, uh, you know, a quarter of the month at the beginning. Um, and, yeah, I really like, you know, there's a vibrant city centre both left and right of the river, even though left river people don't consider Deutz to be part of Cologne. But, you know, Cologne itself is actually quite... It's got a big sort of semicircle on the left side of the river and it's got, you know, Mulheim and Deutz and Ports on the other side of the river as well. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, got, it's really nice with the Rhine going through it. There's a ton of things you can do. Originally from Adelaide in South Australia, could you give us a small picture of life growing up there and, and Adelaide itself? Yeah, Adelaide's great, I have to say. I've travelled a lot of the world um, yeah. between studying and living and working. I've, it's been around 100 countries, I think, by now, um, and more or less as a local each time because I was either there for work or a conference or um, or visiting local friends and pretending to be a local with them. Uh, and I think Adelaide, it's it's really great. Like, compare, you know, um, it's, it's just got such a good yeah. design. It's got, you know, the... The west and the south, it's like beaches, yellow sand beaches, by the way, which, you know, when you're Australian, you don't appreciate how great yellow sand beaches are because that is not normal <laughs> in most of the world. Um, and, you know, you've got that and the ocean. Um, it's a Mediterranean temperature. 
uh, when I, you know, explain it to Europeans, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like Sicily, South France and temperature. Um, it's got, you know, wineries and hills and then, you know, a bit further up, you've got the national parks and then not much further up, you've got the desert. So such a diverse landscape and environment uh, in the area around Adelaide. Um, but the city itself, yeah, really well designed. It's really got everything you could need. And um, yeah, I, I, I really love Adelaide. So uh, and the fringe is a big thing as well, like having um, that festival each summer. Uh, and then the count, the opposite festival is the Edinburgh Fringe, of course, which is every August. Um, oh. And I, yeah, so I think Adelaide and just the mishmash of all the different cultures that you've got, that you can go down Rundle Street, for example, and you've got an Egyptian restaurant, then a Greek restaurant, then an Italian restaurant, then an Indian restaurant. And they're all like genuine um, parts of those cultures kind of mixed with Australian fusion. And uh, it's really rare to find that kind of uh, mix in the world. Um, so I, yeah, and, and in such a great um, environment, both for, you know, clean environment and, you know, nice weather and beaches and stuff. So I know I, I love Adelaide. Um, I, in a normal year, I'd visit, you know, uh, a few times a year. Okay. So um, apart from the fringe festivals, um, what is it that you really miss about home? The weather. Um, I always weather. joke when people say, why did you move to Germany? And I'm like, the better. Also with the pandemic, has that put things even more extreme for you about, you know, getting, getting back home soon or are you sort of um, handling it okay? Event. And it was exactly just after the bushfires and just before the border closure for the pandemic. I was back in Australia in February. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but now, yeah, that's almost a year. So this is, I think, the longest time that I haven't been able to go back to Australia, which is, yeah, a bit sad. Um, definitely clipped yeah. my wings and um, even yeah, not being able definitely. to move around Europe. Um, I've definitely taken yeah. it very seriously. So working... Uh, the space agency said to us, you know, work from home um, unless you have to come in for a shift. Uh, and the shifts we do by ourselves in a private control room, closed doors, and they get disinfected in between shifts. And you have to have a special oh. permit to come onto the site at all. Otherwise, they're very cautious in protecting us and our health. Um, so, yeah, we really work from home this whole time, which is a bit of a contrast, to be honest, to a lot of places in Germany. I think that there's a lot of micromanagement and technophobia in Germany, even at the German government, because I have friends that work in German government um, in the Bundestag, and they have to go to work because they're forced to by their managers, which is insane mm. because office jobs can certainly be done from home. Um, but, yeah, there can be. There can be, yeah. yeah. I guess um, in your environment, it's quite a risk to be played there in case corona does slip in. Yeah, certainly. Operations. And um, for the astronauts, they're actually in a huge quarantine bubble because you can imagine we don't want to bring corona to the space station. Uh, so they normally have one month of quarantine before launch. And right now, all of the astronauts are basically in 24-7 quarantine since February last year, the ones that are assigned to a mission. So they are in uh, private transportation when they have to go to a training and they're ineffectively, imagine if you had to be in Australian hotel quarantine for the whole year. That's basically what they are with the meals delivered to their door, no social interactions or physical contact with anybody that's not approved. Um, that's what astronaut training is like at the moment. It's really intense. I would, miss, I would just miss going out for a walk and smelling the fresh air, even if it was cold and icy. Well, I mean, they still can, like, go outside and, um, you know, go for a okay. run and things, but it has to be in a designated area that they're not going to have close contact with any other human. 
um, except for their crewmates, of course. So they're really normally are quite close to crewmates and training like that. But the quarantine is really instead of one month, it's basically been a, a year for the ones and it'll be more than a year for the ones launching in March, um, if you imagine that. But then once they get to the space station, of course, you know, they're fine. Everybody up there is fine. And you can actually hug your crewmates and have a normal life without masks and everything in space, which is oh, probably the nicest place to be right now. <laughs> That would be probably the safest place right now. One last question is, do you have any tips for anyone thinking about starting a new life over in Germany? Something maybe you weren't prepared for that you could uh, pass on from your learning? Try and have some language skills before you come over. Um, even if your job is in English, when you do things like an application for an apartment, um, you should certainly have respect and, you know, do your application text in German, things like that. Uh, don't automatically assume that people are going to be able to speak English back to you. So try and make the effort on your side uh, to have the language skills to at least function, you know, in the environment. Hey, thanks very much to Andrea for dropping in to Down on the Mitch Deutschland episode three. And uh, we got an insight, a great insight into her life story and what a job indeed. Wow. She's... Um, definitely uh, earned the rewards to work in one of the top um, yeah, organizations as far as the space field goes in Europe especially. Um, fantastic indeed and um, it was really interesting to hear all about her life there and um, her private stories as well and of course about Cologne. Now Cologne, in case you didn't know, is the, one of the biggest cities in Germany. It's the fourth largest with just under a million people. I think just a million and yeah so it's one of the heavier heavier populated cities and it's famous for a few things but mainly for the Kölner Dome the Cologne Cathedral it stands as a marvel centerpiece in the city it's not far from the main it's actually right next to the main uh, railway station and it is stunning words cannot comprehend this um this gothic era architecture and just the um the overall yeah detail beauty um extravagance of, of this uh, cathedral it's, it's um very 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 um incredible and um being inside you're just marveled by the heights of the roof roofs and the and the layout and just that sheer history inside it and uh, the stained glass windows of course tell a story of those times and of, of our religious roots and um, actually interestingly enough during World War II those that, that stained glasses were had, had to be removed carefully um, due to the, the uh, bombing raids uh, that were happening and also uh, stored quite well until after the war when they could be put back in and uh, fortunately not much was broken and uh, that was a relief for such um, artifacts so as a sad as it was that uh, Germany being quite old and um, a very old uh, historical um, country with architecture and you know museums and hospitals and even beautiful inner cities and castles uh, were, were, were damaged or ruined from bombing raids um, during the war throughout and it's quite a shame um, that so much was destroyed but what a marvel it's turned itself around and Germany is definitely a um, yeah one of the most um, 
yeah, affluent and thriving world economies. In so, Andrea, thanks again for um, her time, and um, we look forward to um, next topic. Uh, we're going to Berlin, Berlin next week or next time, I should say, uh, where we're going to interview a local, another Aussie local, um, and we're going to get some insights into. The bigger, the biggest smoke of Germany, Berlin, Berlin. Stay tuned for that. Episode three, thanks for coming and stay tuned for episode four, Down Other Meets Deutschland. Ciao.